on Facebook and um, and YouTube right now. So let me just um, let me just finish uh, going live everywhere before I um, begin my talk today which my, the topic of my talk today is the Amish in America and what Africa can learn from the Fulani. And as soon as I set up uh, this Facebook, I'm gonna start talking, but it's, I'm probably not gonna say the things that you think I'm gonna say. Um, I'm not about to tell you that we should all be more rural or anything like that. I'm actually about to say something extremely um, countercultural. So, um, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Cause I'm about to shock you. About to shock you with my with my insight. Um, boop boop boop. Oh wow. Oh okay. Uh. Oh my goodness. Yep, I'm gonna be super countercultural with what I'm gonna say about this broadcast, which is titled The Amish in America and Why What Africa Can Learn from the Fulani peoples. So stay tuned. Um stay tuned. I'm about to broadcast in like two seconds. I just wanted to um Post this stuff. Okay, cool. I'm ready. So I'm going to try to keep this broadcast short. Um, so I'm about to, I'm going to keep this short. Um, I know that I'm, I'm not trying to be, do anything for shock value because I know that the Fulani are very, um, are very controversial and everything like that. And I'm not just saying that Africa can learn from the Fulani to be um, to be shocking. I really do believe that Africa can learn something from the Fulani, but it's not about how to be nomads or you know whatever, whatever. So I'm gonna explain myself immediately so that people are not tempted to jump down my throat and be like, oh, the Fulani herdsmen, they're killers and they're this and they're that and they shoot people and they massacre people and things like that. So one thing that you have to understand is that um, people, people react to things based on um, their understanding of things. And 
they only understand as much as is relevant for them and for their lives. So I understand the outrage and the anger uh, at the Fulani people. I'm not trying to say that justify anything that they've done. I'm trying to teach you a lesson that has nothing to do with any atrocities that have been committed on the, on at the hands of the Fulani. And one one thing that there that is said that is shows a sign of wisdom is when you're able to um, when you're able to see the truth of a situation or understand the truth of a situation, regardless of where that truth is coming from, or believe or or recognize truth, no matter where that truth comes from. Um, your enemy can say a very real truth, but sometimes because you're so blinded by your outrage um, at that person, you refuse to acknowledge that what they're saying is true or that something about that thing is a truth, is true and can even be helpful to you. Um, so you completely discard it. And then by, but the problem is that by doing that, by not opening yourself up and opening your mind up to the truth, to the real truth of life, um, which can be seen in every human being. Every human being has a nugget of truth in their existence. And when you completely, when you hate anybody, when you hate somebody so vehemently that you're like, okay, this person, there's nothing true about what this person is saying. What you're doing is you're shutting down. And this, ha this is across the board. Um, this is a, just a, just facts, okay? When you completely re refuse to acknowledge uh, the truth that another person who you may not like for whatever reason may um, may be trying to express to you or may you know have for you, when you completely shut that out, what you end up doing is um, you shut off a part of yourself that the part of yourself that can um, that that truth may be helpful for, because you know it's hard to explain, but it's something that I've learned in learned in life that sometimes we do shut off parts of ourselves. Um, we don't allow us. We don't allow the truth to penetrate because we're so outraged. We're so offended by the package that the truth comes in. So. That being said, I'm about to talk about what Africa can learn from the Fulani and whether you like the Fulani or whether you hate the Fulani, I'm not talking about your feelings about the Fulani. I'm talking about a fact that of what the Fulani can teach us. And, um, but first, before I talk about the Fulani, I wanna talk about the Amish. So there's a group of, I've spoken about them before on my channel. There's a group of people in America called the Amish. They are, white people. Um, I believe that many of them speak German, um, but they're a group of people who believe that technology is evil or that technology is evil. That's very, that's oversimplifying the situation, but they think they, they're, they're a group of, of they're a community of people who are, who are protected by the U.S. government and who live on U.S. soil and are kind of, um, they don't really engage with the rest of uh, society. They, 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 they shun really very advanced technologies. They will not use cell phones. They do not have computers. They do not drive cars. 
they do not like there's so many things that they just are completely not they're they're kind of a they're a farming community they practice um very old relig religious practices they're they're christian um they believe that god uh you know that the technology is is not uh beneficial to their society they only accept technology in their society as the leadership deems i say leadership i don't mean like a, some kind of tribunal or you know secret um secret uh group of leaders i just mean people who might be um irresponsible for for telling people you know for keeping the peace or whatever i don't know but anyway as far as people are not as far as technology is not useful to the amish they don't and they don't bring it in to their community so they don't use cell phones like i said they don't use cars they don't use computers they don't watch tv they're completely secluded but they live here on us soil they are a very big community they're like i think they're like several hundred thousand people i don't know if i don't know if it's 100,000 but there's a lot of them living here on the us they're that live on the us soil and are protected by the united states government and they are not they just don't do what everyone else does they're just they're not they don't they're not technologically advanced. I highly recommend you Google search the Amish and see what I'm talking about. These people literally live like it's almost like they they stopped time in 191919 or 1892 or whatever and you know they're just living as if it's still 1892 um where they're like, you know, farming and raising cows and stuff like that. The reason I bring that up is because America has chosen, the United States of America has chosen to protect these people. They're a growing community of people. They have children, they, you know, they're 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 there, they're part of the American fabric of America, but they don't really live as the rest of America lives. So they don't really live as the rest of America lives, but they're still here and they're still protected by the government. Um and by, by protected, I mean, like, you can't just go into an Amish community and be like, you guys should start using electricity. And, you know, you can't just go into their community and start, like, breaking things and threatening their community and shooting them up and whatever. You guys are don't belong here. Go back to whatever. You can't you can't attack Amish, um, um, an Amish community and, and get away with it. They're protected by everything we're protected by, the judiciary system, the judges, the courts, the police officers, they're all protecting, they protect the Amish just as much as they would protect anyone, um, as, as, a, as much as the American system would protect anyone else. Um, so uh, that's something that's extremely important to, and sorry if this whole blanket is here because it's nighttime and I'm gonna be going to sleep very soon. Um, but anyway, um, the Amish are protected by the United States government. And I think it's telling that they're allowed to live in the way that they live, you know, being um, against technology and, or not really, I'll say against technology because they're not really, they just haven't gotten past the, you know, nothing, anything electronic. Like they, they will only get like an eighth grade education. Um, they never go to high school. They never go beyond eighth grade. And you know, some of that they have the option to leave, but it's very difficult to leave because they have a lot of social pressures that keep them in those communities. So when a teen 
when you get to that teenage years or when you get to a certain age when they're just like, you have a choice, you can leave if you want to, they really won't leave because you've grown up with these people all your life and you know your family is there and everything like that. You can't come back if you leave. So it's so if you leave, like you're not just gonna leave. You know, it's not like when in Africans when they leave, they're like, oh yeah, I'll come back, I'll bring you guys back this and that and this and that. And everybody's like, oh yeah, go to America, bring us back money. Um, it's literally like if you leave, you're not coming back. We don't want nothing that you're gonna come back with. Um, so it's really difficult to make that decision to leave an Amish community. So they just stay there, they continue to grow, the community continues to thrive. Um, but it's very telling that, that that community is protected by the US government. And yet if you look at um if you look at uh like the Native Americans in the United States. Uh, who are indigenous people of these lands, who are, um, you know, who are not white, who are brown skinned, um, who had their own way of life before people came here and settled on top of them. Um, they're not protected fully. Like there's a, there are laws that protect certain types of things, but I'm just so disturbed and, and confused by the fact that just a couple years ago, two years or so ago, um, there was this whole, you know, there was this whole thing where people wanted to dig for oil or put oil pipelines through some sacred land of the Native Americans in America. And they were not, they were not protected. They were not afforded protection to keep people from putting oil pipelines through that land. But the Amish can do whatever. And the Amish, that's a growing community that's probably like a couple hundred thousand people strong. Like people don't go around threatening them, telling them get off this land. We want to drill in it or whatever. Um, actually, I haven't heard any controversy surrounding that. Maybe they just don't report it. I don't know. But um, I don't hear much about that happening here in the United States. So it's very interesting. And um, I do think it's racially motivated. Um, but if it's not, you know, if you don't think it is and you know you have facts to back that up, um, because really it looks pretty obvious to me that it's, it's racially uh, motivated. But if you have facts to back up a, 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 a dispute against what I'm saying, please do leave a comment, show your evidence, and I'll be happy to consider that before I make any more statements like that again. But for now, that's just how I feel. Um, so now that I've mentioned that, the big reason I'm bringing up the Amish is because I believe that um, Africa um, doesn't, Africa likes putting itself in a box. And I believe it's because of number one, the media propaganda that's been, that's been poured into Africa, just like poured into Africa um, while Africa has just, you know, been so vulnerable. I believe that that has been a huge source of um, problems in Africa that they can't see outside of a box of what America, what the West is doing. We have to somehow get that here. Like that's where the consideration ends with Africa. A lot of Africans that I know, the line of reasoning ends at, we have to get what's happening in America here somehow or we have to leave here like that is the extent to which much of the thinking 
ends. It doesn't think, no one, people are not thinking deeper than that. And I think it's because, you know, that um, people don't know what is happening over here. I'm not saying it's bad over here. I'm not saying there's something wrong with America because honestly, I think it's pretty good over here. It's, it's fine, it's comfortable and things like that. But there is a reason things are the way that they are in America. There's a reason why certain practices are in America. Like the other day when I was on Instagram, when I was doing this live stream and I was talking about daylight savings time and somebody in Nigeria was like, oh yeah, the reason we don't have daylight savings time is because we're near the equator. And I'm like, it doesn't even make sense because daylight savings time is not about <laughs> what you're saying it's about. You know, daylight savings time has its purpose and there's a reason people made it up. It's not a real thing. It's just something that people arbitrarily said, okay, we're gonna all set our clocks back at this time. We're gonna send our clocks forward at this time. They did it for the convenience of the farmers in America and in the and in Europe. They did it for their convenience because of the way time, the way that the way that time, um, the way that the sun, the the sunset changes, or the time the sun rises and sets changes. Um, in different in different parts different times of the year that and the, the help that that particular um that making that change to their society would help a particular segment of the society that really that they really are that they need a lot so america when it was forming um made crucial deci critical decisions that would be beneficial that they felt would be beneficial to the people that lived there to the people that would that that would ultimately you know move the country forward um they made important decisions specifically for the way that they were at the time and over the 200 years that America has been a country they have continued making changes in the decisions making changes continued making more and more decisions specifically geared and targeted towards helping people, helping the country be, uh, to grow and fulfill its core uh, mission and what it believes. Like the, the constitution is super long the, um, and, and, and has all these articles and, and things like that um, and amendments, but it's super long, but they pretty much said, this is what we believe while we're founding this country. This is what we're about. And it's not that the Constitution is the Bible or that it's so wonderful or whatever, but the people who wrote that Constitution were very learned men. I, like, I'm saying this thing like I'm some kind of patriot of America or whatever. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in America. I happen to know American history. The fact of the matter is that the founding fathers, you know, um, George Washington and all those people who wrote the Declaration of, uh, of Independence, I mean, the Constitution, sorry, um, they... They they had studied like Greek philosophy and all this kind of stuff that taught about like democracy and things like that. And they believed in those principles that they learned from like Plato and Socrates and things like that. And so after studying that and were educated about that information, they now knew, oh, these actually this would be really good, this is really really a good way to make a country based on this. If we're going to build a country, let's make it based on this. And so that's what allowed them to know what they want. At the time, there was just there weren't that many people around. They were just like, okay, we have this big piece of land. We have 
you know, these people and whatever, we're going to be their leaders. So let's decide what we want to make this, how we want to, how we want to, um, what we want to make this all about. And so they wrote the, the constitution and um, it worked out for them. So it, I mean, it had to work out because it was thoughtful and they not, they, they did research to figure out what was the best way to have a country. As time went on, they took those bounding principles and they changed them and augmented them. And, and even like the stuff that they wrote in there was based on who was there. So like there were different people, including the Puritans and different religious and, and groups and stuff like that. And, and types and different, um, even ethnic groups, like there were uh, Puritans and then there were like other people from Britain, Europe and stuff like that. And they were like, okay, so we have all these different types of people, mostly white, um, that they were the only people that were really considered to matter was the white people, but they just kind of, you know, left, you know, room for other white people who might come. Um, they put a clause in there that the black people weren't in the blacks and the Native Americans and the Asians or whoever else they, that stumbled across this place. You know, they didn't really make a clause about them, but they kind of was just like, mm, yeah, <laughs> they're not that many of them right now. They're not a threat. So we'll just let it go. Um, but for some reason, they, they wrote, they wrote it the way that they did because they had this information about, um, okay, so let me not act like, you know, what I'm saying is exactly, there's some things that I don't know. And that's why I did like that. But um, about as far as like why they made, um, why the constitution is still valid today or still makes sense today, even though the, the diversity of people here in the United States, it still makes sense because like it's a, it's a document that somebody wrote like, you know, um, 600 years ago um, or so. And it still makes sense to us today, even though the makeup of the country has completely changed. And that's because it was based on research that someone did. And so they, they actually were like scholars who wrote that constitution. So don't take it for granted. Um, that's why people feel so like, that's why people feel so connected to it. Um, because they're just like, no, these people thought about it. It's like, it's, it's so, it's, it's some people thought about creating this constitution. So like some Joe Schmo who had a bright idea or saw, you know, a Lifetime movie uh, is not the one that's going to, you know, say the thing that's going to uh, make the constitution null and void. You know, having the three levels of government um, that the checks and balances in the United States government, um, it's still relevant. Um, you know, even if, if people aren't practicing it well or people aren't like doing the doing their due diligence, that's irrelevant. The, the the foundation of why our democracy and why we're doing things the way that we're doing are still relevant, even if the people involved are not doing their due diligence or um, may not agree with it. But the moment you start saying, "Oh well, this got to go, this got to go, this got to go," um, you start losing the you start you start uh compromising uh the now like there's a lot of things that the people who created the constitution of the united states um had in mind they were thinking about um 
creating a, a community, a, a, creating an, um, a society that was uh, free uh, for people to be able to speak and engage with each other and they, and like something that will grow, something that would, like you have to think, like when you look at a table, you know what it's for, the height of the table and the flat surface and everything like that will tell you that, okay, this is something that people will put things on top of and you know, whatever, because it's not low. If it was low, then maybe people would sit on it, whatever. So like the structure of something will tell you what the intention of the creator why the why the creator the intention of the creator and the designer of that that thing so the constitution was created i mean not only that but there's people who've written documents about why the the, the creators of the constitution have have written about why they created the constitution and and things like that so you know like there's 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 information out there about why the constitution was created the way it was um and why why the articles and the amendments were put in there so um and I and I'm going on and on about that because I feel like a lot of people don't really don't really consider that when they're making arguments. Um, a lot of people don't do deeper research when they're trying to. Um, a lot of people act based on emotion and don't really stop to think through. But that's not their fault. It's the way our brains are set up. You know, we have an emotion, the emotional brain, and the, we have the part of our brain that thinks logically and in and, 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 and an organized way, step-by-step, step, considering everything um, that actually processes information. And those two parts of the brain are different, are, are, are like, are, are different in location and in functionality. Um, so we really have to go through a process of integration that allows us to stop when we feel like really strong emotions really stop ourselves and um, allow ourselves to process the actual thoughts that are logical and rational and then question our emotions like what spurned that and how can I be productive with that? But that's a whole nother story altogether. I'm sorry, I'm so tired that I'm going like a little bit in circles with what I'm saying. Let me stick to the point of why I'm, I'm making this video. This is gonna be one of those annoying videos because, <laughs> because I'm like going in circles, but I'm gonna try to get to the point and then wrap this up. Um, I think I'm also kind of like hoping people will log in and uh, log into this broadcast, but nobody is. People are probably going to sleep and they're just like, I just want to go to bed. So it's okay. Um, let me just wrap this up. So the Amish are protected by the United States government um, and they're protected. Uh, and the constitution is made by the people who founded this country. I feel like Africa um, needs to be aware of that, that we, we do like, not everyone in America is technologically advanced. Not everyone in America, America is not a country that's their founding uh, principles is to become technologically advanced and to become the most technologically advanced country in the world. Like that's not in the constitution anywhere. Like it's not something that the founding fathers of the United States of America were like, we just need to make sure that we are always on point with technology. And we have to make sure that we have um, laptops and cell phones in 200 years. Like no one, no one, like that's not part of what we're doing here. Um, the United States was founded on principles of liberty and freedom and, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> democracy and um, what's the other word? Um, Self-sufficiency and stuff like that. That's what America 
that's what America's founding principles are. And um, everyone doesn't have to be the same. Some people, you can be in America and have all those things and not be technologically advanced. Um, and you can also be in America and have those things and be a billionaire. So um, there are communities of people in America who are polygamists, who marry more than one wife. Um, there are people in America who are not Christian. There's lots of these communities, lots of these little communities in America, as well as in Europe, who are just, they have a diversity of, of ways of life. But I feel like in Africa, we are so addicted to putting ourselves in a box. And we are not, and many of us, like if you even try to tell an African, many Africans, not all Africans, but there's the ones that I've encountered, if you even try to tell them that you're like, there's nothing wrong with your way of life. Like you've been, you've been bamboozled. <laughs> you know, the people, the colonizers uh, who came to your country tried to do something bad to you. All of a sudden it's like, oh no, no, no. You, you're trying to be an enemy of progress. And but the problem is that even as they're saying that, like you can't tell somebody you're an enemy of progress if you don't know the details. You don't know the details. I'm not trying to be an enemy of progress. I'm not trying to be an enemy of anybody's advancement. Many of the people who get mad when you tell them what the what the colonizers did or what you know the 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 problem, the tension between Christian Christianity and colonization and, and um, black advancement. Um, the problem, many of the people who complain about that stuff um, are you like don't even know like everything. Like, like maybe they're not university educated, maybe they're not um, you know, they don't read very much or they're illiterate or something like that. Like they're just want to go get money any way that they can 419 if that's okay you know this and this and this i know the nigerian government is is has problems and stuff like that but a lot of people are just like go 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 and i know there's some problems because of the biafran war has a lot of people having post-traumatic stress and they don't even know it like they're walking around like taking time bombs and they don't even know that their anger that their depression or whatever it is the feelings that they're feeling are not are not healthy. They just kind of go, and it's the environment that they're in, and the it's the um, experiences that they've had, or that they were raised with, or whatever. People beating their children, people, you know, all these types of things. Like they don't even realize that they are the problem. So I understand, and it's a burden to me. I get sad because it's like, what can you even do with people like that? Um, but I do believe I am hopeful because I know that no matter as where there's a human, where there's life, there's hope. Um, I all I just believe that I believe that where there's life there's hope. So um, so I'm not like that worried about Africa, but I definitely don't want to pass from this earth without um, without saying my piece. You know, I want to be able to at least vocally say my piece. Let it not be let it not be let it not be said of black people, Nigerians, Igbos, or Udochi that she didn't know or she didn't care. Let it be said that. She knew, she cared, and she tried. Um, so uh, what I really want to say is that, uh, that, that, that Africans need to, in as much as it's with their power, in as much as it is within their power, not allow anybody to put them in a box. Like, educate yourselves. The only thing that you, that, honestly, the only obligation you have is the goal that you have for yourself, whatever that is, 
educate yourself on everything possible that has to do with that topic. And then, then, then contribute to your community. Contribute to your community. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how important and necessary the community is. There's people who I've seen, like people think, oh yeah, all Africans are just, they're successful, they come to America because of all the statistics and stuff like that. I've seen homeless Africans. I worked in a homeless shelter before. I've seen homeless Sierra Leoneans. I've seen homeless Nigerians. Yes, Nigerians. I've seen homeless. It happens. I've seen people who've dropped out of school who are African, who come to, to do not everybody who leaves Africa and comes to America, all of a sudden their life is perfect. It's, that's just, that's a lie. It's a myth. Not everybody, like, like many of the people who think, oh, if I leave, um, if I leave Africa now and I just, if I could just make it to the West, I'll be fine. And the answer is, and it's a lie. It's a lie. There are people who come here and never do anything with their lives. There are people who come here and just die. And I'm not saying they die by accident. It's like, you just, they try and they try, they try hard for the, for their whole life and they die penniless and with nothing to give to their children to even say with no name made for themselves, they just die. So, so that's my point. Like my, that's the like, beginning, the end of my point. And the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like so many Africans want to put themselves in a box. They want to put themselves in somebody else's box. You want to be like the Americans. You want to be wealthy. You want to be, have a house. You want to do like. Why are so many Africans so obsessed with building houses? Like. Are you in real estate? Like, why are you trying to build a house so bad? Build a big, big, big house that nobody will live in at the end of the day. No one is going to live there. You won't live there. Your children who will all leave and go somewhere else will not live there. I can understand why the American, and that's the big thing. I understand why the American system has these massive houses. They're the rich people. They have massive houses because they want to impress each other. But the regular people, many of them live in apartments, small little apartments. There's now this whole thing in America called tiny houses. People, it's just cheaper to buy a small house. People who, it's cheaper to buy a condo or whatever. However they want to do it, they buy. They buy something smaller. They create something smaller for themselves because it's just easier. But a lot of, I don't know if it's all Africans, but the people that I know, at least in Nigeria. My, okay, let me just be, speak for myself. My father is a victim of this. He built a giant house in Nigeria, in the village, and he built the house. He set up a, a business and then he died. He died without really finishing what he was trying to do. He died without finishing what he was trying to do. And it, and it broke my heart, made me sad, made me kind of afraid for a long time in my life. I was very afraid because it was just like, okay, what does that say about any of us? Life is short. You may never, you, you may, you build something, who knows when it will, you know, whether it's even meaningful, whether it will even result in anything. And the thing that I learned was that the most important thing is the legacy you leave behind in the hearts and minds of people. You can spend your whole life building skyscrapers and monuments to yourself, but it means nothing when you don't leave an imprint on the hearts and minds of the people around you. If you die and everybody else is just like, well, good riddance, and let's forget about him tomorrow, which at the end of the day, let one or two generations pass and you will be forgotten. There's a billion, there's um, set about seven, moving on, going on eight billion people in the world today. Most of you will be forgotten. We talk about Martin Luther King, we talk about Malcolm X, we talk about Rosa Parks. But there was a lot of people that were marching <laughs> at that period of time 
who nobody remembers their name. Nobody cares about them. Nobody thinks about them. Maybe a small community of people or their families or whatever. But there are even entire families that died in the exact same time, in the same explosion, on the same airplane crash, in the same um, the same hurricane, the same earthquake, the same tornado. That entire an entire generation lost, an entire family, an entire lineage just lost in one disaster, and nobody remembers their name five, ten years later. So what matters? What actually does matter? And I feel like Africans, a lot of us lose sight of that when we're so obsessed with trying to catch up and trying to keep up with the West. It's like literally keeping up with the Kardashians. We're trying to keep up with the West. <laughs> actually, that would be funny if uh, if uh, Kim Kardashian West uh, starts her own show called Keeping Up With The West. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what the, that's what a lot of people in Africa are trying to do, keep up with the West. But anyway, um, let me get to the point about what I really, what I, the part that I've talked about being controversial, what Africa can learn from the Fulanis. <sighs> Maybe I should do another video about this later because I feel like I'm like kind of going all around the circles with this video. But um, what I think Africans can learn from Fulanis is... Um, I think we need to learn about who we are. I think we need to embrace our own identities. The Fulanis are about like one of the largest ethnic groups, even though as diverse as they are, as you know, they're not all the same. You can't put Fulanis in a box. You can't say, okay, oh, Fulanis, all of them herd cattle, or all of them live in this thing, or all of them eat this cheese. You just know that they are like the people that those that speak their language and those that are um in their community of people that identify as Fulani, there's like 400 million of them. They're the, one of the largest, strongest ethnic groups in all of Africa, 400 million, okay? And they all speak their own language. They all, like maybe not all of them, I don't like to use generalizations, but most of them speak, majority of them speak, like you meet a Fulani person, they'll be talking to you in their language or they'll be, you know, you'll hear some of their language in their in the present in their presence because you know they they all speak it many of them speak it most of them speak it so um the thing with the fulani people is that that I've, i'm impressed by is that they do not they do not allow themselves to be put in a box they are not trying to bend to the world they're not trying to be like everybody else. They're not trying to adjust themselves to the way people are doing things like, oh, you know, you know, these people are, um, the, these people have TVs and these people are doing this and these people are doing that. They're like, no, this is our way of life. We're going to protect it. We're going to defend it. We're going to take care of ourselves. Um, and also they have a, they have a, um, their their main act of activity that they do is helpful to the rest of the community. So they're pretty much a a bloodline in the community. They're like a main vein, a main artery. They, they like the they you know how the blood is important because as it passes through your body, it is giving your cells oxygen and stuff like that and cleaning out your cleaning out the carbon monoxide and other toxins in your in your cells. So the same way Fulanis have the same type of important thing in, in the society. They are critical 
for most economies that they come in. They make themselves necessary. They make themselves useful. So you cannot argue against them. You cannot like, you can't come against them because it's like, not only are we not going to change who we are, we are offering a very critical service to you. So you're not going to want to get rid of us. So I think that that is an important thing. And I think the identity issue is very important. Um, the big thing that I've learned, the big thing that I'm kind of impressed by, by the Fulani is just that their sense of identity, their sense of identity is not changing. Um, their sense of identity is not changing and you're not gonna get rid of them. If there's any Africans in the entire continent of Africa that are gonna be here in the next 5,000 years, it's probably the Fulani. You think they're not because they look so, they, they look like the, the, your foolish mind allows you to think primitive looks. You think that they won't be here in 500 years, 5,000 years because, oh, they're so primitive. They're so this, they're so that. The fact of the matter is there's a lot of them. They are, um, number one, there's a lot of them. Like I said, 400 million at, at least. Um, they are a strong, they like to protect themselves protect and protect their their children, protect their communities. They're very protective of their communities. Um, they are very independent. They're very, um, uh, they, 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 they give up important service to the rest of their, the, 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 the communities around them. So you need them, <laughs> you need them. You need the cows that they have, they, that the cows that they, uh, that they they have you need the products of the cattle that they raise and everything like that. So you're not getting rid of them. Um, so the fact of the matter is they're they're doing it right. They're doing it right, and they're not allowing themselves to be put in a box. They're not letting, allowing you to tell them the right way for them to live their lives because they know what the right way for them to live their lives is. They know they know what is good for them. They're like they and they also have a, a vision. They have a purpose. Like they know what they're about. They're like, this is, this is our life. Life. This is our life. We're about this cattle. We're about making this money. We're about doing this. We're about doing that. Um, we're about doing making this money so that we can continue to grow and and feed our community. And we 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 love ourselves. We we hold on to our culture. We uh, protect ourselves. Like it's like they have the right mentality about life. They know what is important about life. They know what is going to keep them alive and keep them moving forward and keep their cult community growing. Uh, many of other African cultures, um, I don't want to just say Igbos because, but the truth of the matter is, it's mostly Igbos that I'm in contact with. I have Yoruba friends, but I don't can't really pretend that I know too much about the way of life. But the fact of the matter is, the big thing is that Fulani people understand, they know what their purpose is in life. I can't really say the same for, it's like if your purpose in life is to chase somebody else's dream. When I say chase somebody else's dream, I mean, if your purpose in life is to catch up to someone else, like, oh, that guy over there, he's doing good. Let me go and, and catch up to him and do as good as he's doing. You'll forever be running. You'll forever be running after that person. And you will never rest because that person, you don't know where that person is going. And that person can run you right into a ditch. You'll be running. He'll be running. 
he will turn right. You didn't know he was turning right. You just go into, you'll just fall over a cliff, fall down the mountain and die because you wanted to continue chasing him. You don't know where that man is going. So why are you chasing him? The same way I feel like a lot of people are pursuing an idea that is unsustainable. That's not realistic. That's not like it's unsustainable. Why are you, why won't you do the research and figure out a life for yourself, figure out what your own vision is. All right, well, I'm going to stop talking because I feel like I'm kind of going in circles and I'm not really making much headway. That's number one. Number two, I feel like the, oftentimes I feel like the conversations that I have or the videos that I make are falling on deaf ears. I feel like a lot of Africans who probably need to understand what I know and what I've learned over time through reading, through being in America, through interacting with different types of people, um, I think that the people who need to know this information probably won't even understand it when I say it because they almost have to live the experience themselves to understand why I'm saying it. And for me to make these videos and put them out there, the only thing that they're good for is just a little as I told you so. Like someone who, it's like, the, it's like preaching to the choir. Those people who will eventually realize that what I'm saying is the truth will come back and watch this in five years and say, hey, I should have listened to this girl. Um, but uh, that's not worth it to me. And to be honest, I think I'm gonna start. I'm, I'm gonna stop making videos um, very soon. If I do make videos, they're probably gonna be more so um, of me probably translating things to Igbo, just to, so that I can practice speaking Igbo and stuff. But I most likely am gonna stop making videos um, very soon because I'm not really a fan. I don't really like doing this. I don't like doing this. It's almost like a it's like a thing that I do when I'm like, I have these thoughts in my head. I just want to get them out and everything like that. Um, but honestly, I don't like doing this. I don't like not having, not make, not really making an impact. And I think, and I'm, I recently, I'm most likely going to start working a job that I'm going to be making a really huge impact in. And I'm probably going to uh, drop off the map when I start that job. Um, when I say drop off the map, I mean, you will not be able to find me. Um, I might shut down some of my social media accounts, I might. I don't know if I will. I really like my Instagram account. I like what I've shared on Instagram. And there's a big part of me that never wants to take down my Instagram account. I want it to be out there. It's like a monument to my, it's like my thesis to the world. Um, so I kind of don't want to take down my Instagram account, but there are accounts that I'm like, I kick rocks. I don't really need you anymore. I'm like, I'm done. I'm set. I'm good. I don't need you. Um, and one of them is like Facebook. I would I would happily take down my Facebook account, except for my Wudo account and some of the groups that I've created. I just don't want to get rid of them. But honestly, I don't think I can maintain them. I don't think I can sustain them. I don't think there's stuff that um, I don't think there's stuff that like will make that as big of an impact as I would like to. And I don't think that they'll make an impact because I don't know that I will ever have the time, patience or ability to nurture them and tend to them the way that I would need to, to make the impact that I desire to make when I first created them. So most likely, you know, some of these things will be shut down by me in the near future. But until then, um, that's it. Blossom Warrior Planet guys, do your best in this world because uh, it's a doggy dog world and it'll eat you alive. I don't know which I should shut down first. Should I shut down Instagram or YouTube or Facebook? Let me shut down Instagram.
Nobody, no, although one person tuned in on YouTube at one point in time, but that person disappeared. And now like nobody is really, let's see if anybody showed up on Facebook. No, nobody showed up during this, during this broadcast. And that's fine with me. Blossom Ray Planet, guys, peace. I try my best to give you guys the realness, but not everyone is ready for it. Bye. Sorry, I'm shutting down Instagram first. Uh, share. Now I'm shutting down. Oh, snap. Oh, I thought that was Issa Rae. Eve, done. And now I'm shutting down YouTube.